This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. BFM 89.9, this is Cruise Control, the car show here on BFM. My name is Arif Roos and as usual on the phone lines is Mr. Daniel Fernandez from DSF.my. Say hello. Hello everybody, good evening and uh, thank you for listening in. Today we don't have Richard on the show with us because he's not feeling too well. Yeah, we wish him all the best. We will miss him though because we have got some pretty interesting stuff going on today uh, in the show. As usual, we'll be split into part one and part two. First, we're going to kick off with uh, Mythbusters and then we'll go through a huge list of car launches that we've had in the past week. And then we'll finish off in part two with a car review or a pickup truck review of an Isuzu D-Max X-Terrain 3-liter diesel 4x4 test drive review. That's a long name. In any case, let's head to the news. So, um, as mentioned, we will start with a little bit of a myth-busting. Fact or fiction, fueling your car at night or during the day. The myth that everybody knows or the rumour is that it's always better to fill up at night because fuel expands when it's warmer outside, so less fuel for the same ring. I'll be honest with you, even though I'm a car guy, I actually thought it was always better to fuel up early in the morning, you know, like like 6 a.m., 6.30 a.m. when it's like... Because if you fuel up late at night, it's still not that cool yet. You know what I mean? That's true. Right. And I've been doing it for years and then suddenly I found out it makes no difference. Consumer reports are saying this as well because obviously the principle is, you know, I mean, it's, it's logical. Yes. Petrol expands and contracts along with the temperature of the outside world. But these tanks are actually pretty far underground. So they don't really get affected by the temperature that much, right? Exactly. Even on a really hot day, like, you know, the last few weeks we've been having this really hot climate, 40 degrees and whatever. The temperature that changes in the tank is maybe 1%, you know? So it's hardly any difference. And the thing is, if you think about it, I mean, the reason why this article came out is because we were having this debate with a few friends. And then I went and mm. checked with my mechanic. Then I even called some petroleum company executives and asked them. And they all said, listen, buddy, hardly any difference. And even if there's a difference, you're in a subsidized fuel market. <laughs> yeah. In any case, like how much more are you going to spend or how much less fuel are, are you going to get anyway? Exactly. According to consumer reports, it will only increase the volume by 1% if the climate is warm. Exactly. And they even say the energy content is the same. Right. Yeah. So if you want to save fuel, if you're really gung on saving fuel, which is what I try and do all the time. Number one, yeah. tire pressure. Yeah, very important. Make sure your tire pressure is right so there's less drag on the car. Don't over inflate your tires. Number two, Mm -hmm. open your boot. I'm sure there's a lot of junk in there you don't need to carry around. That's added weight, you know? Yep. Well, like, I remember some people, they have old newspapers, old magazines, six pairs of shoes which they never use. Sometimes you do need a spare t-shirt, right? Yeah, but a spare t-shirt is fine. But, you know, you don't need so many things in your car. And then, of course, keep your car serviced well. Yep. And then, of course, if you're going to go early in the morning, if you're already leaving your house early in the morning and you fuel up, Okay, la, you benefit from that 1% of subsidized fuel. Yeah. There's the other thing also, which is, uh, you know, driving smoothly. Yes. That's something that Malaysians don't do very well because we're always too close to the car in front and then we always have to accelerate and brake, accelerate and brake. And the moment you leave a little bit of a gap, somebody zooms in and you have to brake anyway. So if you wanted to save fuel, just 
drive smoothly. Don't have to press the brake all the time. Don't have to press the throttle all the time. If you're going downhill, don't accelerate. Don't have to be angry with the throttle. You know, you know. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, so that's a myth. Um, you can practically fill your car up at any time of the day or at night, yes. and it will literally make little to no difference. Correct. <laughs> Um, there was a big car launch this week, though. Mm, and it is a big car. It's a big car, yeah. Yes. It's the Lexus LM350. And like we mentioned a year, about maybe a few months ago, it's basically a classed-up Alphard. What they did was they took the Alphard or the Valfire, whichever one you want to look at it. It's the same yeah. body shape, but it's been lengthened a little bit. It's been given a new nose treatment. I actually like this nose treatment. It's, it's less garish. There's less chrome on it. But yeah. on the inside... You only have two front seats and two rear seats. It's almost like a private jet. Yes. And the two rear seats recline completely. So it's literally, you know, a first class airline cabin seat. And you've got this huge TV screen to watch. And you've got a divider between the front passenger, I mean the front driver and passenger, and the back row seats. So... If you want absolute privacy for meetings or for anything else, this vehicle makes a lot of sense. It does, it does. The, the back is enclosed, as you said, so I guess you would have to you know, press an intercom to tell your driver to change your destination or something like that. Or you can knock on the glass with your foot. <laughs> yeah, Because you've been climbing all the way back. <laughs> yeah. Um, like Daniel mentioned, there's a TV in there. It's 26 inches, full HD. They'd like to mention that. Uh, you've got a huge moonroof that stretches all the way to the back. Ambient lighting, even heated and cooled private jet-style seats with leg extenders. And like Daniel said, you can actually almost lie down flat. Uh, the seats also have massage functions. And I mean, obviously, it's a Lexus, so it's cladded with leather and everywhere. But even the floors kind of look like the carpet floorings that you get in a 747. But anyway, this van is so luxurious. This vehicle, you know, when I announced the price, 1.148 million, that means 1,148,000. Yeah. A lot of people said, oh, that's almost three times the price of a Recon Alpha. That's almost double the price of a brand new Alpha high spec. I said, yes, but imagine now all the rich people who currently have brand new Alphards. I mean, they bought brand new Alphards yeah. and they couldn't get anything more because there's nothing else available to show your wealth in terms of people movers, right? Yeah. And yep. now this comes along. I can see a lot of people just saying, just over a million bucks, no problem. I want to be different. When I send my son to school or my daughter to school, eh, wow, the only Lexus MPV coming, you know. <laughs> And then when I go for a meeting, I'm the only Lexus MPV coming. So given another one or two years, uh, our streets will be flooded with this. Even though it's practically a you know, classed-up Alphard, it's definitely higher up the automotive food chain. Very and If you wanted yes. to present yourself as somebody with a lot of power and influence, not sure anything else can defeat this. True, true. Anyway, happening this week in Shanghai is the Shanghai Auto Show. and it's Started two days ago. And it's happening for at least for the rest of the week, right? Yes. Uh, we've got two cars that we want to talk about. One of them is a Geely Xingye L, which is Geely's flagship SUV that has caught the eyes of global news outlets. One, because uh, it looks awesome. It, it basically looks like a Volvo XC90 that has been shrunk a little bit. Yeah, but it's not based on the same platform as the XC90, no, it's right? It's based on the XC40 Volvo platform. So they've managed to squeeze a huge body on that tiny little... Yes. So it's wow. it's bigger than the X70. So 
a lot of Malaysian X70 owners and X50 owners are calling this the Proton X90. Mm, yes. With the hope that uh, Geely bring it in, badge it as a Proton, put on an X90 uh, badge on it, or maybe X80. I think X80 will suit it even better. It's got three rows of seats and it looks gorgeous. Uh, I suppose since you brought up Proton, the unavoidable and annoying question, whenever Geely or Volvo launches a new car is, will this be a, a future Proton? Mm, that's the thing. <laughs> so I am thinking yes. Yes? I'm thinking yes, because why? The market for seven-seater SUVs is not shrinking. Mm, that's true. Okay? And this SUV could easily come in below 200000 There's a big price gap at around 150000 ringgit for a seven-seat SUV the size of a Santa Fe, right? Yes. Anyway, it's a really, I have to agree with Daniel, it's a really awesome looking car. It has a dual center screen on the inside as well as your own digital driver's display. You get 72 color ambient lighting if you're interested in that. You got leather everywhere, 5G, and probably the party trick, which is a summon feature, which means if you are up to 200 meters away from your car, it could theoretically drive itself out of a parking lot and meet you 200 meters away. Yes. That's pretty interesting. The whole idea of this technology is, you know, of course, it's autonomous in, uh, uh, to a certain level. But what they're trying to do is, like, if you go into a shopping mall, instead of giving your car to a valet, you get down from yeah. the car and, you, and the car self-parks itself by finding a parking spot and getting to the spot and parking itself and shutting down. So when you come out of the shopping mall or you know, building or office building or whatever, you summon the car and the car comes to you. But can you imagine if they sold a few thousand of these and you go to a shopping mall and you see these this driverless cars moving around looking for parking or coming back to the, to the main entrance and you'll be thinking, this is a ghost town. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but there is another interesting car that made some big statements about itself, the Maserati Levante Hybrid. Mm. And this is, if I'm not mistaken, Daniel, because you are a Maserati enthusiast. Maserati. Um, this is their second hybrid and is an SUV. So it has a two-liter four-cylinder uh, with a 48-volt mild hybrid system. But the claim to fame for this car is... It's more agile and fun to drive as it weighs less than the six-cylinder and the diesel engine right. Maserati Levantes. And just some facts here. The regular Levante is not small. It's the size of a Porsche Cayenne. And it weighs 2.2 tons. Right. The hybrid, which they claim is a lot more fun, only weighs 100 kilograms lighter. Yeah. So that's basically, if you think about it, it's the weight of, say, two hefty people not sitting in the car. Yeah. So you're, you're getting a car that's, you know, lighter, more powerful. It's got 330 brake horsepower, 450 newton meters of torque, all-wheel drive. This is going to be a fun SUV. But will it come at the right price? The fact that it's a hybrid, the fact that Malaysia gives a lot of incentives for hybrid, I think this will be a true competitor to the current SUV king, which is the Porsche Cayenne. For sure. It's a fantastic looking car as well. Mm. Unfortunately, that's all the time we have for part one. We did speak a lot about fuels and the new Lexus LM350 as well as the Geely Singer L and the Maserati Levante Hybrid. We've still got a lot to cover in terms of car launches, a new Toyota electric brand and two new Mercedes EQ cars as well as, of course, the review of a pickup truck. Join us after the break. BFM 89.9. Because freedom matters. BFM 
BFM 89.9, this is Cruise Control, the car show here on BFM. My name is Arif Roos and as usual in the studio with me is Mr. Daniel Fernandez. Say hello. Hello everybody and welcome back. Thank you for joining us this evening and we are now in part two of Cruise Control, the number one car radio show in the world. If you missed part one, we spoke about a myth about filling up your car with petrol. We spoke about the brand new 1.1 million ringgit Lexus LM350, a few cars from the Shanghai Auto Show, but we didn't have time for Toyota's new EV brand and a bunch of new Mercedes cars. So that's what we're going to talk about. So that new Toyota EV brand has a weird name. Yes, it's called it's called BZ4X. The, honestly, the first time I saw it, I thought it was, uh, you know, a PC component. <laughs> exactly, yeah. It sounds like some, some little chip or something like that, right? Yeah. The BZ4X is Toyota's first SUV in their new line of uh, electric vehicles that they're going to be calling BZ. And it's the small letter B and a capital letter Z. And what that stands for is Beyond Zero. Like I said, it's a Toyota sub-brand and it aims to provide customers with value that exceeds zero emissions. According to the press release, they are going to be focusing on markets with renewable energy, which probably means most of Europe, paired with Toyota's battery and car recycling scheme that they have going on these days. Uh, so seven new Toyota BZ cars will come by 2025 with eight other regular Toyota battery electric vehicles. Uh, the 4X, though, is pretty much a RAV4 size SUV electric car, isn't it? Dan? Yeah, if you look at the shape, it looks exactly like a RAV4 that has been flattened a little bit and widened a little bit, sharper edges, but it's a good-looking vehicle. And the thing is, you know, before this, a lot of the automotive world was knocking Toyota for not going down the full EV road and you're looking at hydrogen and everything else. But now Toyota shocks everybody because they're so big. They've got so much technology centers and, and research centers they said, okay, you want to play? We play. So they launched a new sub-brand called BZ, like you said, and seven new models coming out in the next three years. That's literally like, okay, you want to see the cars I'm holding? Yes. There you go. You want to play? <laughs> Let's play. So I'm, I'm sure there's going to be something along the Camry size, something along the CHR size, something along even yeah. maybe the, the, the Cross Corolla. So they'll have all the popular sizes and vehicle types. And they yeah. are just going to take away the market clearly. I'm sure there'll even be a Harrier-sized BZ. You get what I mean? BZ Harrier. Yes. <laughs> um, anyway, this BZ4X is uh, the first electric SUV from Toyota since the RAV4 EV was killed back in 2014, apparently. Yeah, right. This BZ4X was actually a collaboration between Toyota and Subaru. So Subaru did the driving bits, the comfort, uh, the way it handles and everything. But Toyota did all technological stuff like the building the chassis, the shell and the EV bits inside it. A quite interesting thing is that the car has a jet-like rectangular yoke as a steering wheel, like we were criticizing about the Tesla Model S a while ago, right? Any thoughts? Well, but my only thought is this. You can do whatever you want with a steering wheel. If the public doesn't like it, you can just slot in a round one. <laughs> that is very true. Yeah. The thing is, I would like to see this drivetrain in the next generation Toyota GT86. What is the drivetrain? I actually didn't... Well, it's a full electric drivetrain. Yeah. If it's going to power an SUV, can you imagine the amount of power it'll have in a GT86 shell? And which will also be the new Subaru BRZ. That's true. Ah. Toyota and Subaru seems to be working a lot more together, don't yes, they? Yes, yes. And it's good. It's good news for everybody. Yep. Okay. So uh, now we've got anyway, some Mercedes-Benzers. Uh, is the EQS and EQB. Obviously, we saw the EQS a while ago right. as a concept, but now this is the actual production model. Right. And... 
Um, this is the third of eight EQ models that's going to be launched in the very near future. We saw the EQA and the EQC quite a while ago. Um, and essentially what this is, is an S-Class right. for the future. Right. And you know, if you look at the car, if you look at the pictures, they're on DSF or you know wherever else you can go. If you take away the two-tone paint, okay? Yeah. It looks like a regular Mercedes-Benz sleek sedan, which is great. Are you a fan of the two-tone thing? I'm not a big fan, but I can see a lot of people loving this two-tone color to just tell people I'm driving an EQ. I'm not a fan of it, but people will probably do exactly that. Yeah. The main difference between this and the regular S-Class is that it has a teardrop shape for better aerodynamics. And it seems to be a design trend that will become a mainstay because electric cars is all about saving your range and, and extending your miles as far as you can. Right. So... It seems all new cars, which are not SUVs, will probably come in a teardrop shape. Uh, and apparently, this EQS is now the most aerodynamic car in the world at 0.2 drag coefficiency. Mm. As usual, Mercedes EQ, you get the front fascia, which is all combined. There's no such thing as a grille there now. Right. You even get a light-up Mercedes-Benz logo. As Daniel mentioned, two-tone paint is an option that you can buy on this car. And obviously, as mentioned previously as well, this car gets the new Mercedes-Benz uh, MBUX hyperscreen interior with two big screens and one massive center screen. Uh, you can also option the car with four-wheel steering, but apparently, if you want more angle in the rear wheel, you can pay more and they can unlock that feature digitally. Okay, I'm going to ask you a question now. If you were currently driving an S-Class 400 hybrid, the current one, which has been around for seven, eight years. Yeah. Would you go for this two-tone paint to just tell people you're driving a new car? No. I think, <laughs> I mean, I think it already stands out enough, right? Yes, but I can see some people taking the, the current S-Class and just doing this paint combination <laughs> and just telling people, oh, I'm driving a new EQ. Uh, or because this two-tone paint got really popular recently with the Mercedes Maybach, right? Right. So maybe people want to pretend that they're actually driving a Maybach. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> Anyway, there are two variants that they launched this car with, an EQS 450+, Plus, which is a single-motor, rear-wheel drive uh, car with up to 770 kilometers of range. Apparently, on a DC fast charger, you'll be able to get a full charge in 31 minutes and 300 kilometers of range in just 15 minutes, which is impressive. If you spend a bit more, you get the EQS 584-Matic, which has the same battery thing, battery modules, right. uh, but with more power due to another dual motor. Uh, so that makes it all-wheel drive, 520 horsepower, 855 newton meters of torque is quite impressive. There's also an AMG model that's coming up. Uh, but something for the regular folks, Mercedes also launched the brand new EQB, which is much less spectacular in terms of tech, yeah. to be it, honest. It looks exactly like a GLB. But with a little bit more uh, EQ-ness about it. Yes. So the rear lights are now conjoined into one. They form like a single light bar. And at the front, obviously, no grille. So it has that new Mercedes EQ face. Uh, but essentially, why I said it's much less spectacular, because it's essentially the Mercedes GLB's underpinnings, the chassis, the platform. Right. They specifically designed it to be able to fit the battery without sacrificing any of the cabin space, really. Right. So they've launched this car with a bunch of conservative powertrains, apparently, uh, clearly geared towards city and suburban driving. It's not, uh, a, it's not a long-range car by any means. It's a family car. Exactly. Well, they need a whole range because what, you, not everyone can afford an S-Class yeah. version of the of an electric car. It's like Tesla. You need the middle-class man's Tesla and you need the rich man's Tesla. So the GLB equivalent, which is the EQB, will be the middle-class man's Tesla. So I can see a lot of people actually buying this as a family alternative 
not to go out station or whatever, but just to ride around in the city and do errands. Drop the kids off at school and everything. Yes. In fact, it's actually quite a good idea. Correct, correct. <laughs> so now they've got the EQA, EQB, EQC, and the EQS. All that's missing right now, I think, is the EQ... EQE. E, which will probably be quite a big car launch. Right. That'll be the electric version of the E-Class. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, anyway, uh, there was a big launch last week, which was this car that we're going to be reviewing. It's the Isuzu D-Max X-Terrain 3-liter diesel 4x4. And Daniel, as you branded it, it's a D-Max, which is a pickup truck, but it feels more like an SUV. Correct. Well, we were given a chance to take this D-Max out for a few hours before the launch to get a, a feel of the vehicle because this is an all-new vehicle after so many years. I mean... Isuzu has been selling the D-Max for a long time. The D-Max name is not new. But yeah. for the longest time, they've been really a truck company. I mean, I don't know if you remember this, but Isuzu used to have cars. Uh, I recall some, but I don't know their names. Okay. Anyway, there used to be this very popular little sedan called the Isuzu JJ. Hmm. Okay. Um, was sold in Malaysia. At one point, it even became a taxi. It was quite popular. Some people had it. And, you know, it was a, a very evergreen four-door sedan. But it never sold in large numbers. The thing is, yeah. Isuzu was, has always been a commercial vehicle company. So the car market was something they just dabbled in. And then, of course, they had the Isuzu Piazza, which was this space-age-looking sports car, which I think I've only seen one in Malaysia, but maybe there's still one lying around somewhere. But then they had this amazing vehicle called the Isuzu Vihi Cross. Oh, yes. The Vihi Cross is, is pretty awesome. Yes. It was essentially the original um... sports activity vehicle. Yeah. <laughs> okay, even even before BMW came out with it. Yep. Came out in 1997. Till today, it looks fresh in the car park, you know? Yeah. And there's a few running around Malaysia. I've seen one. I've actually sat in one, but I've not driven one. It's got a huge engine. It's got it, it doesn't drive all that well, but it's so futuristic looking. It's even got futuristic looking interior. Anyway, yep. the most popular Isuzu of all time has to be the Isuzu Trooper. Yes, that's the Isuzu that I guess I knew the Isuzu brand from because I had family members who had an Isuzu Trooper. Yes. And uh, of course, I think back in the early 2000s, almost every commercial lorry was an Isuzu. Yes, but the Trooper was so popular at one point, automatically when anyone bought a four-wheel drive vehicle, they call it a Trooper. Yep. Hey, you're going to buy Trooper. Hey, you just bought a Trooper. It could be some other brand, but because of that shape and that look... Yep. That name just stuck. So anyway, the Isuzu Trooper, of course, you know, uh, there was also another version called the Isuzu Big Horn, which is a, a higher version of the Trooper. It came with Lotus tuned suspension at one point, you know. Mm. So Isuzu has always been a very interesting company. But after that, when they came out with the with the D Max, the D Max was just a workhorse. Let's let's face it, workhorse extraordinaire, you know. Yeah. You go to any farm, construction company, logging, mining. The D-Max is there and it's unbreakable. Yes, Toyota is a close rival to the D-Max. Mm. But the Toyota legendary build quality and reliability is so closely matched with the D-Max. They have been both fighting in the same segment. Then, of course, came the other pickup truck manufacturers, but they couldn't fight these two. But over the last few years, D-Max started losing ground. And they started losing ground not just in Malaysia, in Thailand, in Australia, in Indonesia, in Burma, because why? The other pickup truck manufacturers, Nissan, Ford Ranger, um, Mitsubishi Triton, 
they refreshed the look. They gave their vehicles more attention in the design. They gave the cabin almost like a car-like cabin, you know. Mm. They included features like infotainment system, multifunction steering wheel, uh, electric seats, you know. Gone are the days where all the plastic trim were made to be beaten up and replaced. Exactly, exactly. So what happened is the D-Max started to fall behind. But there were still people buying it. Sales were still very good. Even um, until last year, they had this new 1.9 blue power diesel engine, which is very mm-hmm. frugal. But people in the commercial industry loved it because why? Saves fuel, lasts a long time. You don't have to worry about servicing it on time. You know, it literally is unbreakable. But it was in an old vehicle shell. Yep. Now, in 2020, Isuzu must have woken up from a deep slumber and their designer said, hey, it's about time we showed the rivals what we can do beyond just fantastic engineering. Yep. So what they did was they designed a whole new D-Max. And this new D-Max from every angle is a good looking vehicle. I have to agree with you, even though I'm going to say that it actually looks like a Transformers Decepticon. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> when we saw, it in, we saw it in pictures, we were already very impressed. But when we saw it in the flesh, we realized, you know, even though the Ford Ranger is really good looking, very American, the Mitsubishi Triton has got this really futuristic look on it. And then yes. there's this new Nissan Navara that's got a lot of aggression in the front. But this D-Max looks so well put together. They, you know, every part of the design, it's proportionally just great. It's not too high, not too low. The rear bed doesn't look too fat, not too thin, you know. Mm-hmm. The cabin area is designed symmetrical to the rear. I mean, they took all the lines and dots and, and, and curves and they just made it almost perfect. I guess for people like me who didn't know much about the Isuzu brand and how actually quite unique they are, this truck might actually be quite a huge surprise because looking at the pictures, the interior especially is quite impressive. I mean, who has a, you know, a chocolate brown Napa leather interior on the inside these days? Exactly. They've even got a stitched leather dashboard. Yes. (laughs) So before we get into the interior, this D-Max, you might be listening to me and saying, ah, this guy is just talking. But come on. (laughs) It's the top-selling truck right now in Thailand, beaten the Toyota Hilux. It's the top-selling truck in Australia that has beaten the Hilux. And the Hilux was king in Australia and Thailand for many, many, many years. But the D-Max has beaten it. In Norway, it was sold out even before it left on the cargo ship. (laughs) Okay? So that's how good-looking this truck is. Then you get into the interior, and that's when the wow factor comes in. I looked at his interior and I said, Am I getting into a truck or am I getting into an SUV? Yeah. Because, first of all, the leather combination, like you said, the stitch patterns, the soft touch plastics, you know, the, the little shiny bits that is not too shiny, not too dull, but it's well planned. I would say it's put together very well. If you go to the pictures yeah. on DSF, you'll understand exactly what I'm saying. And then the infotainment system, they've incorporated it into the dashboard. It doesn't stick out like a sore thumb. I think what impresses me most about this interior is that, you know, in, in America, because everybody buys pickup trucks, right? Yes. They have those different trim levels. Yes. And then at the, at the top, you have, maybe you could buy an F-150 with full stitched leather and like 12 or 24,000 million watt speakers and all that stuff. This is kind of in that same ballpark, yes. I think. Yes. And you see, even if you look at the pictures, multifunction steering wheel, you've got semi-bucket seats. Wow. <laughs> semi-bucket seats. And then you've got a center console with a soft touch panel to rest your arm on. You've got rear aircon vents. You've got power points. I'm trying to figure out what it doesn't have, you know? Yeah. Okay. yeah. The only thing it doesn't have is a third row seat. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, that's true. So you get in, it's electric seat, it's got a new 3-litre turbo diesel engine. The previous 3-litre turbo diesel engine has been further improved with this new one. It mm-hmm. is a good-looking truck on the inside. And if you get to the to the rear of the truck, I'm talking about the rear passenger area, you still have that semi-bucket seat for two at the back. Yeah. So the, the middle guy is going to be a little bit more uncomfortable, but he still has a headrest. He still has cup holders. I'm just looking at it now. Exactly. So we got into the truck, we took it for a short drive, and we went to Sakinchan. You know, that's just past Kuala mm. Slango. We decided to go and see the paddy fields, you know, get back in touch with nature, with our village life and everything else. And and that's uh, still within Selangor, yes, right? Yes, yes. Still within the driving distance. When we took it out, initially we were in the city, we were driving. I was in the car with another colleague of mine. The first leg of the journey I drove, we were on the highway. The whole time I kept reminding myself, this is a pickup truck because it drove, it handled, it felt like an SUV. Mm-hmm. I'm not talking about look and feel now. I'm talking about driving dynamics. Yeah. Okay. Even though it's got a 3-liter diesel engine, you start it, yes, that diesel clatter is there, but the cabin is nicely insulated. You don't hear that diesel clatter. And when you accelerate, it actually sounds like a nice four-cylinder engine. I guess one of the issues with having a pickup truck is you do get a bit more wind noise because you know the back is quite empty. Do you still hear that? No, you don't get that. And that is surprising. But of course, if you fill it up with barang, then of course the whole dynamics changes. You know yeah. I mean? But yeah. we drove it with the rear empty. So we drove and then we arrived in Sakinchan. We did our photo shoot. As you can see, we did it right next to the paddy field. And then we started admiring the details in the interior, like the instrument cluster, the TFT screen, you know, the entertainment mm. unit, everything else. Everything felt a little bit more premium than the current rivals. And this is simple because why? When you are a little bit late to the market, like what Isuzu is with the DMAC, you take all the rivals, you take all the best in class, the Nissan Navara, the Mitsubishi Triton Athlete, Ford Ranger, you know, and you dissect it. And you say, ah, they've got this, they've got this, they've got this. And you take the best of everybody and you make sure you have got it all in this one truck. Yeah. So they've got a head start right now, Mm. okay, until the rivals come up with new models. It's worth mentioning also that this truck is completely filled with a whole host of safety systems. I mean, you got AB with something called turn assist, lane departure warning, emergency lane keep, rear cross traffic alert, the whole thing, which I don't know much about trucks, but I don't think a lot of the other trucks have these, right? None, none. Because it's got five star from ASEAN NCAP and also from the Australian NCAP. So it's the first truck to get the Australian NCAP five star. ASEAN NCAP, other trucks have got it. But the level of safety features, you know, driver assist systems on this truck is almost on par with a European SUV. Yeah. And you got seven airbags. Yeah. You can only put five people in the truck, but you got seven airbags. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then, the, you know, you got a lot of things. That you, it's better you just go and read the, the article on DSF. But I want to say this Apple CarPlay and Android Auto included. So you got it again, you know, family friendly feature. So after we finished our drive in Sikinchan, we decided to come back to KL. We take the old road. And so I sat in the back. Now, this was me trying to be a little bit risky and saying, I'll sit at the back and see how comfortable it is. The whole journey was a lot better than the other pickup trucks in the market. The back seat is comfortable. It's well padded. The suspension system, even though it's a truck suspension system, it's well damped. And I think, I have to say this, like Isuzu has just done a very good job with this truck. And that's why it's the best seller in so many markets. Now, I'm going to share with you a little bit of the power delivery figures. It's got an inline four-cylinder blue power diesel, three-liter, 2999cc. It's a six-speed 
auto, sequential shift. Now, a lot of people say, oh, why only six speed? Listen, it's proven. They know it. It's not going to go anywhere wrong. This six speed will work, you know? You don't need all 10 speeds like the Ford Ranger does. Exactly. Max power is 190 PS, more than enough because you got 450 Newton meters of torque. And the torque comes in as low as 1,600 RPM. So if you're cruising at about, say, 70, 80 on the highway, and suddenly, I don't know, some you know expensive German car whizzes past you, if you think you want to catch up with that, that car, you could probably try. You will not be able to overtake, but you could probably try and catch up with that whizzing German car. You get what I mean? Yeah. So this vehicle comes in at 88,000. Now, 88,000, you're getting a bare basic Isuzu D-Max, okay? Mm -hmm. One that is for the farmer, the mining guy, and everything else. But the one we test drove with all the bells and whistles, 141,938 ringgit. That is not a very bad price considering people have gotten used to the 200,000 ringgit price tag on the Ford Ranger Raptor. Raptor. Right. This is, this is not in the same class as a Raptor because it's not a heavy-duty truck like the Raptor and the, you know that all that added features. But when you put mm -hmm. it side-by-side side with its immediate rivals, the price is about there. But remember this, if you add in the safety features that is loaded into this truck and you add in the comfort features, and there's at least a fifteen to 20,000 price premium. Yeah. Because if you take, say, four airbags against seven airbags, every airbag costs money. All the, the safety features like the lane departure and everything else, all that costs money, you know, if you add it on. Rear cross-traffic alert costs money. Blind spot monitoring costs money. Mm -hmm. Driver attention assist, all that costs money. So if you add it on, this, this truck is pretty well loaded. On top of that, you've got the semi-bucket seats, you know. <laughs> you know, this, these are things that you only find in a, in a high-end SUV, you know. Yeah, I mean, I have to say I'm really extremely impressed with the interior. And if I ever had to buy a truck, it would probably be a base model of Isuzu. Yes. So they've done a very good job. I'm very impressed with them. I'm just hoping that the competition looks at it and says, hey, we need to put our game up. So I'm thinking if they put their game up, can you imagine what the next generation truck will be like? I want, okay, I want to talk about the competition because okay. obviously what stands out to me is the three liter diesel. Right. And like with the 1.9 liter turbo diesel that Isuzu introduced maybe early last year, uh, everybody was impressed with the fuel economy, the power, and everybody was kind of amazed by the engine. Right. Now it's a 3-liter, a diesel as well, but the Ford Ranger XLT is a 2-liter, two, two and it's 131,000. Yes. And you have the Hilux, which is 145-ish, right. and that's 2.8 liters. And I feel like maybe people might be swayed away from the Isuzu because it's got a bigger engine and you know it might consume more fuel and you have to pay more road tax and all that stuff. Well, the road tax is very small difference because these are pickup trucks and diesel. Number two, fuel consumption-wise, Isuzu is always led in fuel consumption. You see, yeah. even though the engines may be bigger, but they're tuned lower because they always tune for utter reliability and good fuel consumption. Isuzu for years have not had anyone beat them in terms of fuel consumption. Yep. You know, so that's no issue. So final word on this Isuzu D-Max cross-terrain 3-liter. Um, best pickup truck in the segment? At the moment, it's the best pickup truck. And I'm just hoping that the MUX version comes out because the previous MUX wasn't so attractive in terms of interior exterior. But if they have an MUX, which is a seven-seat SUV, with this configuration, my word, this is going to be a really interesting market to play with. I never knew such a thing ex existed. <laughs> Isuzu has it. It's called an MUX. 
<laughs> the more you know, I learned a lot about Isuzu, and I hope you, the audience, have learned a lot about Isuzu too. Um, so thanks for that awesome review, Daniel. No problem. Thank you for listening in. Right. So that was our review of the Isuzu D-Max Cross Terrain 3-liter diesel. As Daniel said, probably the best pickup truck out there right now on sale. Yours for 142,000 ringgit. Um, if you missed any part of this show, in part one, we spoke a little bit about a myth, whether you should be filling your tank up in the morning or at night. It's been found to have made no difference. We spoke about the Lexus LM350, some cars from the Shanghai Auto Show, Toyota's new range of EV called the BZ Beyond Zero, and two new Mercedes EQ cars. If you've missed any part of the show, you can visit our website bfm.my to listen back to the podcast. You can go on to Spotify or any other podcast app that you use because we should be on there. And you can visit Daniel's website, dsf.my, to read this article and more other interesting articles. Of course, we are on Instagram at BFM Cruise Control. You can find us on Facebook with the same link as well. Uh, but that will be all from me. Say goodbye, Daniel. Goodbye and thank you again for listening. My name is Arif Roos for BFM 89.9. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.